Hello, and welcome to Marriage Unchained, the art of one flesh, where saving marriages, saving families, and saving souls is the flavor of the day. Now, let's join our host and author of Marriage Unchained, Catholic Alpha Radical, Jerry Jacobs Jr. Welcome to Catholic Alpha Radical Live where I help you fix your Catholic marriage. I've coached and helped hundreds of men in their marriages, and now I want to help you. Call 313-RADICAL now. That's area code 313-RADICAL. And ask me anything on tough marital issues, such as what to do when she's asked for divorce, what to do when you have a mutual agreement of separation, but you didn't want it. What to do when your wife is cold and distant? What to do when your wife is having an affair? What to do when your marriage is bad, boring, lukewarm, and passionless? What to do when you engage in a mental embrace less than once a month? What to do when you sleep in separate bedrooms? What to do when she has left the home with or without the children? What to do when you're divorced but didn't want it? Call 313-RADICAL. That's area code 313-723-4225. That's area code 313-723-4225. Again, call 313-RADICAL right now for answers to intimacy problems, communication problems, prayer and spiritual warfare problems, authentic masculinity problems, a.k.a. how to man up. So sit back, relax, take a chill pill, and get ready to rock. But don't duck. Can you feel it? Catholic Alpha Radical coming at you now. Hello and welcome to Catholic Alpha Radical Live. The Catholic Alpha podcast is here to help you fix your Catholic marriage while also giving you winning tactics for marriage problems, girlfriend problems, and intimacy problems for men. Moreover, where my main mission is to keep you out of divorce court and where marriage unchained, the art of one flesh, divorce, combat coaching is the flavor of the day while also helping men understand marriage and courting, not dating, in the Catholic faith. Why? Because dating is for sex and courting is for marriage. In this 95th episode, the Holy Lover series continues with how to save my marriage when my wife has just plain given up. There are three gifts that will satisfy her forever. And today we uncover gift number 12. Plus, live phone calls from you answering your marriage in crisis questions. So get in that queue, 313-723-4225, or call in from the, your browser at callinstudio.com slash radical1. That's callinstudio.com slash radical1 for some resolution to your marriage confusion. And so now we do the quote of the day. Let's do this. Quote, society offers you comfort, but you weren't made for comfort. 
you were made for greatness. End quote. Pope Benedict XVI, the Pope of the Ages. <laughs> I've helped hundreds of men in their marriages. Allow me to help you in yours. Get live Catholic marriage help Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern, with some resolution to your marriage confusion. So today we hit on our Catholic Alpha's radical rant of the day, which goes into how to save my marriage when my wife has given up, why manning up is really what she wants. Ooh, wow, wow. So I am still recovering from the uh, the pain of food poisoning, and I'm telling you, I am weak as I don't know how to get out. <laughs> I went to adoration. And just laid there. <laughs> I thought I was all right. But then you know how it is. You start moving around and you find out you're not all right. So I'm cutting things back today. So I'm well, but I'm here and I want to do the show because, well, that's my job, right? And um, but that being said, try to forgive me a little bit as I'm as not as uh upbeat as I usually am. But that being said, doesn't matter. What matters is we are together and that we're going to try our best to uh, get some faith going and learn how to save our marriages. That's what the real deal is, to get this society back to the where, to the way it needs to be. Okay. So as I said, how to save a marriage when your wife is just plain giving up, why manning up is what really matters. And I know that men get tired of manning up, but you know what? That is the perfect saying. It really is. Um, it is the perfect saying for today because we men use any excuse we can to be wusses. We do. And really, it's getting kind of sickening, kind of sickening. It really is sickening. Um, the weak boys, the weak, the weak, the weak uh, boys below 12, the weak boys from 12 to 18, the weak boys from 18 to 30, the weak boys from 30 to 35 to 40, the weak men in 65, 70, 80 years old. It's just, uh, it's sickening. And it's not just, if it was just one or two of us, I'd be like, well, you know, it is what it is, but it's not. It's millions and millions and millions. Why? Well, because God's not in the house. God's nowhere to be seen anymore. We we have kicked him out of the courthouse. We've kicked him out of our, we've kicked God out of the, uh, out of our schools, out of our jobs. And so many of us have kicked God out of our houses and our bedrooms. Uh, so what do we expect? Men don't even know how to be men anymore. And we're not taught how to be men. And it's 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 horrible. It's horrible. And then the ones that are trying to be men, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> you know, they have it twisted. And so uh I go on, I'm 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 invited on podcasts all the time. And you know, people invite me on their podcasts and, and I think I'm going to talk about marriage. You know what I'm going to talk about? <laughs> masculinity. Man, what's wrong with the masculinity, man? What's going on with the masculinity? What's wrong with the masculinity, man? Why are we getting attacked? And blah, 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 blah. You know, I go on, uh, mostly, uh, I go on Protestant um, uh, Christian um, podcast, and and I go on Catholic ones, too. And I'm telling you, man, it's, it's a lot of dudes out there that are really trying to find their way. And so that is kind of, you know, I really started, like I started, I really started 
Um, there's two reasons I did even start CatholicAlpha.com. First of all, it was for my boys and for my daughter so that my boys would know somewhere, have somewhere to go if something happened to me, you know. Um, and my daughter, I started for her so she'd know how to, a man, if she ever wanted to learn how to, you know, a man, how to pick the right man to marry. Well, that's over. She's married now. So I guess, I guess that worked. <laughs> uh, and, but the, another reason I started it is for, is for, I was sick of wusses. I was sick of men being wusses. I was sick of priests being wusses. I was sick of the pastors being, and, and probably pastors being wusses. I was sick of government officials being wusses. I was sick of all of it. And I was sick of, uh, presidents. You know, uh, politicians, uh, congressmen, you know, all over. I was just sick of it. And when I say wusses, I mean, one of the things I mean is selfishness, that we only care about ourselves, our own selfishness. And that is the quickest way to hell. Um, No one goes to heaven that is selfish. Why? Because Christ is on the crucifix. He came and died for his bride. And that's what we're supposed to be like. And if we're only thinking about our, and of course, everybody says, of course, Jerry, you know, I'm thinking about myself. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. That's why the country's the way it is. That's why our families are the way they are. That's why our jobs are the way they are. That's why people, people, people go stay on a job for five seconds. You know, they go, they go, they, you know, they go through all this work to get hired at a job. Then after a week, they quit the job because, you know, well, he, he made me mad or, you know, he said something wrong to me or he made me do something I didn't want to do. You know, uh, people have no loyalty these days. They don't. We have no loyalty to nothing. We really don't. We have no loyalty to our jobs, no loyalty to our, our wives, no loyalty to our children and no, no definitely no loyalty to God. Unless he can do, unless he can do something for us, and then that's over after that. What this is called is diabolical narcissism. This lady, oh man, she made a great, great uh, 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 video on YouTube. You probably can't even find it. It's buried so deep now. It's called diabolical narcissism. If you just, if you, if you, uh, if you Google that, it'll come up. Now that's a, it's about a two or three hour documentary. I think I forgot, but man, one. Man, me and my wife were on a three-day weekend, one weekend. We just laying in the bed, trip, you know, relaxing, trying to relax and stuff. She's flipping through, and, you know, she's, you know, I'll tell you, my wife's a YouTube freak. And this video popped up about Donald Barker Narcissism. It's this lady, and she's basically giving a lecture to us, to us. She's not in a class. She's not in school, but she's in a, she's doing a lecture type of thing. And, man, she goes over what diabolical narcissism is. And it's basically, man, diabolical narcissism is basically, man, that the demonic has taken over the highest levels of the government, the highest levels of the church, the highest levels of everywhere, and uh, uh, and the and it's, it's filtered down to the people. Basically, what it means is it's evil. Everybody is completely narcissistic, and its core narcissism means selfishness. And they have taken it so far. Um, and that's why people hate Trump. That's why people hate any 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 politician that tries to go and change things to be better and to get us back on the track towards God. Oh, man, automatically he's attacked. Why? Because Satan can't have that. Just that's how they did. Uh, you know, they attacked when, when uh, uh, I forgot it, when Bush won that time, they was pissed off. He beat Gore. They attacked that. Now, I'm not saying I like Bush, not like Bush. That's not the point. What I am saying is they attacked that man in the media for four years. 
four years straight. They attacked him, attacked him everywhere. And then when Trump surprised him and then they, they attacked him for four years, they lied about that man. They defamed that man. They did everything they could. They messed with his wife. They messed with his children. They messed. They lied and said he was a, 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 a what do you call it? A, uh, he was a, a, a spy and a, he was a traitor and all of this stuff. And you know what? And, and we go, well, you know, he's not, you know, well, maybe he was. I'm saying this. Maybe he was. Maybe he wasn't. But that's not the, the, the thing about it is if they can do that to the president of the United States, man, this is what scares me. And it should scare you. If they can do that to the president of the United States, two of them, at least two that we know of, if they can do that to them, what do you, what do you think they'll do to you? Your little butt. And they're doing it. Going, this dude was pro, pro, you know, he was for pro, uh, he's, he's uh, against abortion. He's pro-life. And he was on the internet. He did something. They went, the FBI went and raided his house. <laughs> dude. And another thing that, that crazy people don't understand too is if they could do that to the president and then they could do it to a, another man, what about you as a Democrat or a conservative, I mean, or a liberal that think that you're just being really righteous right now. Well, you got Biden in the White House. But what happens when they come after you? When you don't do what they want you to do, too. People don't really care. Really, the only thing, the only way you can protect yourself these days is two ways. First way is you got to have as make as much money as you can to be in the elite. The more money you got and the more, the more, uh, the more face you have, the more people know you and you have some kind of fame or something, they treat you different. They come at you differently. But if you if you a middle class or upper middle class person, uh, you a poor person, you ain't got no power, none. And they don't care. They use you just a stepping stone. We're just a stepping stone. And that's that's what it, nar diabolical narcissism is, is that they only care completely about themselves and they only do they only do something for you when it benefits them. Is completely of Satan. And this lady, man, she lays it out and gives you proof and everything. It is beautiful. I wish I had me an assistant that I had them to look that up for y'all. But I would try my best to put it in the um, show notes. Um, but that, you know, but if I can get my darn pen to write. Um, But yeah, please, if you know that if it's right now, that thing is probably buried because they don't want, you know, you know, we, we bury people, bury stuff they don't want really out. Um, so that being said, the questions that we're going to talk about today is and I want you to think about this as we go over. Like, what is a real man? What is a real man? Um, what is the true measure of a man? Um, what does that mean? Like. How do we measure ourselves as a man? Who and what measures us as a man? Where do we find our true example of masculinity? Like, where do we even look to even find somebody to be an example of the man that we're supposed to be? You know, where is he at? Where are they at? <laughs> you know, because I know a lot of dudes, they are upset. I talk to a lot of them. They're upset when I start teaching them stuff. They, they get mad because that nobody taught them stuff when they was a kid. When I say kid, I mean below 10, below 12 years old. You know, start because everything starts there. Everything, your formation as a man starts when you're like one, two years old. 
At two years old, nobody should allow their, their son to be hanging around their mama all the time. Once your kid reaches two years old and you the man, you're they have a father in the home, he should be with his father every day, all day long, as much as he can. If he can go to work with him, sometimes if he can um if he can go to uh, 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 his, if he's a coach, take him to the coaching things. If he goes to Eden, to the restaurants, wherever he goes, if he goes to a men's meeting, whatever he goes, that little two-year-old should be with him. But see, we don't do that, do we? We don't. You know, kids are a mistake. Kids get in the way. And then when our kid grows up and he's a jerk, we go, well, I, I did the best I could. I did the best I could with him. Yeah, he's with his mama 24-7. So he's kind of a wuss. You know, he's all emotional and stuff. No, no boy should be around his mother all the time when that little boy reaches two years old. Why? Because you are not the example. She is not the example he needs of how to be a man. She need what he needs is you as his daddy. And I don't care where you take him. I don't care. And he won't care either. If you want to grow close to your sons, take him where you go. That's why you homeschool. That's one of the reasons why you homeschool, because your kids will go everywhere you go, your boys especially. And, and don't get me wrong, your girls too, but girls you do with their mamas because they mamas need to teach the girls how to be ladies. But they don't do that no more either because women too busy trying to be men. Women are too busy trying to be men, and so they don't teach girls nothing no more. And so that's kind of where we are. But really, a, a good piece of advice, and I'm not really trying to get in your business because, you know, you raise your family how you want to. But I'm telling you, I learned a long time ago. And listen, I didn't come up with that when somebody, another guy told me, another dude told me. He said, man, I was I used to coach at uh, when, I, when, I, when I first started coaching uh, football. You know, we when we are at the park, the recreation parks. We all, all the do all the coaches sitting around talking and stuff and. And one of my one of the coaches, you know, me and him was cool. He said, he said, he said, yeah, man, I take my son wherever I go. And, and you know, he said, wherever I go, I take my son if I can, you know. Um, and I started thinking about that. I really did. And so then I started researching. I started, I found out that when a little boy reaches two years old, he should be around his daddy all the time. That's one of the ways you can build a strong young man because he starts to understand what a man really is because you're the example because ain't nobody going to teach him but you. I mean, you know, you want to be part of a gang. You want you want your son to be part of a gang. Then don't ha don't let him go with you, because gang members, gangs, what they are, what, what they they're they're terrible and horrible and all that stuff. But one thing gangs got that they that 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 they'll that they'll, that the boys will go after is their family. They have a sense of family, and if you as a father and a mother can't provide that to them, they will find it somewhere else. That's why kids get disrespectful and cuss you out and call you names, say they hate you, and they don't do what you say because they found a family at school that they like better than you, your family. And that's, you know, you know, that's why you must discipline your children. You must as a man. You got to whoop their butt. I'm not saying it's the first thing you do, but if you give a kid 5 or 10, 20 times and he ain't listening, guess what? He's, saying, he's telling you, Daddy, whoop my butt because I'm not going to listen to you any other way. <laughs> Now, you can't wait till he's 15 years old either. You got to start tapping that butt when he's one, two years old so he knows how to listen. You know, but that's another podcast for another day. I probably should invite somebody on to really talk about that. Because I, 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 I do little spurts of that sometimes, and I really don't get deep into that. And because when people say, whoop, when people hear me say, whoop, you know, whoop your son's butt, they probably go, oh, he's so mean. He's so mean. He, how could you abuse your child like that? First of all, that is not abuse, that's love. 
I got five black sons. If I didn't whoop my son's butt, guess what they get to do? They get to go out in the they get to go out in this country and they get to torment you. Think about it. If Jerry don't whoop his son's butt, guess what they gonna do when they get 15, 16, 17, 18, 20, 25, 30? They're gonna come out in society and they're gonna torment you and your family. They're gonna rob you, they're gonna rape you. They're going um, to gonna, um, gonna, uh, go to your schools and shoot your schools up. They're going to be in jail. They're going to rob the liquor store. They're going to knock you on your head, take your Social Security check. While you get out of the car as a woman, you go into the grocery store. They're going to put a bag over your head, throw you in the van and rape you. Then take you to their house and put you in the basement like a serial killer. See, man, y'all, y'all really don't get the real world, man. Y'all think, you know, well, evil just whatever. Well, it, ain't, it ain't touching me, so it don't matter. Dude, if you as a father do not discipline your kids, they will go out and do things that you have no idea what they're doing. Why? Because they don't, expect, they, don't, they don't respect authority. If children don't respect you as the man, they're not going to respect authority anywhere. Think about it. You, are the, you and your wife are the authority in your home, and your kids are cussing you out at home. They telling you they hate you. They can't stand you. Get away from me. Kiss my butt. Uh, what else? What else do kids say these days in, in, in the last 50, 60 years? It's all kind of stuff. Disrespect you. I had a client. His, his, his kids wouldn't even be in the same room with him. And if we walked in a room with them, they yell at him, get out of here. This is my place. This is my room. Get out. Yeah. Y'all, y'all really just don't really understand the real world, man. You can't you can't allow kids to go out here, and and that's why you have a society full of diabolical narcissists. You have a society full of men who don't know how to be men, because the one the men that's in their life they don't teach them a damn thing, they don't teach them nothing. And then we expect well the school the school's gonna discipline the school don't even whoop butt no more either. You know what you do? I was in that world too. The kid go to school, the kid sit in the class and cuss the teacher out all day long. Come on, that's that's what happens. They sit there, they, they disrespect the teacher, the teacher tell them to be quiet, they don't be quiet. They still, you know, in, in uh, Indianapolis public schools, you can't even send the kids to the office no more. Well, when I went there, when I was uh, a, a, a mentor there, they got to the point where they told the teachers, hey, don't sit up here no more, you, you figure it out. That's why teachers don't like being teachers no more. Because the parents don't teach them nothing, the parents don't discipline them, then when they get to school, the kid act out in the, in the classroom, and the teachers ain't gonna know where to send them. Now, they got security, but security's only so much. Uh, I was in another school, inner city school, high school. In every hallway, every hallway, there is a um, there's a hall monitor, a big, 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 a big dude. <laughs> big, you got a big old hall monitor all over the place. Adult dudes that get hired, that are oh, you know, they're they're grown, they're adults, you know, they're out of high school, they're twenties, thirties, forty years old and stuff. And guess what, man? That's what, man. They they um they hall monitors. They are they are there to control the kids up in the school. They don't have, they don't teach nothing. They ain't no teachers or nothing. That's what they do. This is what I'm trying to tell y'all, man. Y'all y'all listen to these crazy psychiatrists. Don't know what they're talking about. You cannot not get discipline a child. You can't because they they'll grow up. And they won't they don't care. They won't discipline. They won't they won't care nothing about what you're saying or the police. That's why people people get mad at the police too. That's crazy. You get mad at the police because we see crazy kids out in the in the in the um in the society. The kids grow up, start trying to beat up police and stuff. What are the police are supposed to do? That's what he's hired to do. 
Police officers hired to subdue your child because your child wasn't raised right. What's he supposed to do? Sure, a mistake's gonna happen. Yeah, some kids gonna get somebody's gonna get killed. Well, that's 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 collateral damage. You took God out of the you took God out of the out of courthouse. You took God out of the out of the classroom. You took God out of your job, not out, out of the home. We all voted for that. We all voted for that. Well, I don't know if I can vote then, but I know we we men we voted for it. So guess what? And then a kid gets killed if he's black or white or Asian or Mexican. It don't matter. He gets killed. Everybody get all up in arms. What are you getting up in arms for? You, we sent him out there. We sent that child out there. We did that. The police officers just doing their job. You can't blame them. Sure, some of their okay. Sure, there you okay. Out of two two instances in the last whatever years, some you know some kid got killed. Something that it wasn't warranted. Okay, but the point of what I'm saying is, man, it doesn't matter. You know, we can't you look, I teach my listen, I'm gonna just be straight up with you. None of my boys go out of this house since they was two years old and didn't know how to treat a police officer. You don't you don't you don't disrespect the police officer. The man comes to your thing, you put your hands on the on the on the dirt steering wheel. You don't pull you if you got a gun in the house, you say, Listen, sir, I got a gun in the trunk, or I got a gun in the backseat, I got a warrant, I got a what do you call it, a, a permit for it. Put your hands on the thing, you don't reach nowhere. You say, yes, sir, no, sir, or yes, officer, no, officer. Officer, what can I do to help you? He's a man of, res he's a man of respect. He, you, uh, police officers deserve respect. And what do we do? You know, we all get all uppity and stuff, and, you know, we mad because we was the one speeding, or we was the one walking around with a screwed up car or whatever. It wasn't, you know, and the police officer pulls you over, and then you're going to disrespect the man because he's doing his job. Most police officers are real cool if you just look, I'm a black man, dude, and, I, and I'm sitting here saying this. Most police officers are really cool if you just respect give them they do, they respect. That's all you gotta do. But now what do people do, especially white people? They disrespect the man. Treat him in any old kind of way. And the man, all he's just trying to do is do his job. Then you get mad when you get a ticket. Well, you got a ticket because you had a big mouth. <laughs> I mean, come on. Most black people, we know how to treat police officers because we know where it can go real quick. That's the truth. That's the truth. Mexicans, too. Mexicans know how to treat police officers. We ain't stupid. Even gang members, most of them, they'll maybe like, like, put my hands right here on the stairwell. He's got a gun. I got a gun, too, but my gun, I can't pull out my gun because he's a police officer. So I put my hands on the stairwell right here. When he comes to the thing, I say, I don't, and then, oh, and then, then here, what another people do, they get out the car. The police officers walk, the police officer walks up to the car and they try to get out of the car. That is so disrespectful and it's stupid. The guy's got his hand. First of all, these days, the police officer already has his hand on his gun as he gets out of his car. So you're you going to be Mr. Mr. Know-it-all, Mr. Big Stuff, and you're going to get out of your car. You know why women don't get tickets as much as men do? Because women, they ain't stupid. They might be the biggest feminists, but you know what they do in the police? They get a ticket. They start acting like the nicest lady you ever seen in their life. And you're like, <laughs> oh, yes, sir. Start winking at him and moving their hair because they ain't trying to get no ticket. They ain't trying to get in trouble. That's how women are. That's how people are. People know how to act right. You know, um, so that's all I'm saying. I know I went into that a little bit, man, but it's the truth. That's all this is part of being a man. All this is part of understanding what being a man is about, man. You know, and we we get mad sending our boys out here in this society out here that ha that cares nothing about them. That's nothing you got to stop doing. Stop telling your kids they special. Stop telling them that. 
Stop telling your kid how special they are because they ain't. Your kid ain't special. What has your kid accomplished? He's five years old. What has he accomplished? He's 15. What has he accomplished in his life? He ain't even married. Ain't even graduated high school yet. What has he done? He ain't done nothing. He's got his mom and dad. Oh, you're so special. You're so special. You're so special. And then they grow up and get out in the world and see, oh, I guess I'm not so special. When people start putting their foot on their throat. You can't. You got to understand, man, how the kids want discipline. And if we don't give it to them, then they act out. They act disrespectful. They find other families to be around. When I say families, I mean gangs and stuff. They find other, other suitable places to be. You know, why do you think that cult, uh, what's that cult with a dude, Jim Jones, kill all them people with the, with the Kool-Aid and stuff? Because those people didn't feel love. They weren't raised right. They didn't, they didn't have nowhere to go. They didn't, have, they didn't feel like they was loved and stuff. If you don't discipline your child, they will feel that you don't love them. They will. If you don't punish them and take their phone away, let them stay in their room, smack that butt, they will start to think, well, if I can do whatever I want to do, then he must don't love me then. That's how they think. That's how kids are. Dude, I've been around 500 to 1,000 boys in my life. Coached them in football. I done raised four or five sons with a daughter. I'm telling you, that's how kids are. You, you, if, the, if you don't discipline, why do you think kids go out to football? Boys go out to football because it's fun, but it's also, it, it, it makes them be greater than they are. Sports. That's what sports is for. And that's why kids, you, you notice when the kid wants to play football or basketball or soccer or hockey or whatever, they do what that coach says. You know why? Because they want to play. And they want to be, they want to be disciplined. Then they go home and their mom and dad tell them how great they are for 24 seven. Tell them, oh, you ain't got to do this and you ain't got to do this. Do whatever you want. You can call me. You can cuss me out. You can call me any name you want. Do all that kind of stuff. Man, it doesn't, that stuff right there does not work, man. It does not work, especially in today's silently evil. Evil is out there and we are sending our kids out into this society that is purely evil. They have no prayer. They don't know how to pray. They don't know how to, kids go out here and don't even know how to pray. They don't know how to pray. They don't go to church. They don't go to mass. They don't know nothing. We just send them on out there. Well, I got you there. I fed you for 18 years. Got you through high school. Get on out there. There you go. They have no weapons to defend themselves against, against Satan, against the diabolical. They have nothing. You know, and I feel sorry for kids. I really do. I've been dealing with kids my whole, ever since I was 18 myself. I was in the military. You know, I've been a mentor. I coach kids. I did all kind of stuff. And I just feel sorry for kids, man. It's hard to really hard to be. You got to. It's really hard to be mad at them. You know, uh, um, um, they um, it's hard to be mad at kids these days because they was raised. They was raised all screwed up. I don't care if you got a billion dollars or a dollar. You cannot afford to allow your child to go on society to be un, unequipped. Like I like one of the things I tell my sons all the time, like, look, man, one, I taught my sons everything I could, you know. How to shoot? How to shoot guns? How, how to, uh, you know, uh, I sent them to a farm. They learn how to uh, kill pigs and 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 skin our farm animals up to eat and stuff. I taught my kids uh, logical, how to common sense. I taught my kids about the faith. The one thing I didn't have time to teach my kids, and y'all gonna probably laugh at me. I didn't teach. I didn't have time to teach my kids self defense. Like, and I, and that's one thing I tell them all the time. At least once a month, they look, man, y'all need to go get one of these, these Taekwondo, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu places, man, and some learn how to defend yourself. Like, my boys ain't no punks. They play football and stuff. And they, they know, they, they, you know, 
they care themselves really well. But man, you, I think every child, it's like, I think every kid should have to go except women. I don't think women should be in the military, but I think every boy should have to go to the military for at least two years. I don't care if it's the army, air force, Navy, Marines. I don't care. Just like, just like Jerusalem, just like, I'm um, sorry, Israel. They should two years. Why? So you learn some discipline with your mama didn't make you do it. You know, and the reason Israel does that, you know why they do that? Because they can't afford not to. They're, they're this little country surrounded by all these crazy people. What are they supposed to do? You know, um, and and that's and I went off on this for a while, man. But it's the truth, man. It's we got to start understanding that our children are our future. We say that, but they don't. We don't really mean it. But they really are. And I tell my boys, look, go go to the taekwondo to the Brazilian jiu jitsu person or something, and learn how to learn some martial arts, man. And I ain't talking about just mixed martial arts stuff, neither. I'm talking about some real disciplined stuff. Now, I'm saying that stuff is disciplined, I'm sure. I don't know. I don't really know about it. But I'm saying jujitsu or something like taekwondo or karate, I don't care what you do. But, you know, maybe it is mixed martial arts. Maybe that is. Maybe that, Maybe that, I don't know. I don't really know about that. But I'm just sitting there, everybody know that your child should have, especially a woman. No, not especially. A girl and a boy. Now, a woman, don't get it twisted. I don't care how much martial arts a woman knows if a dude is bigger and stronger than her and which all men are, they ain't, ain't nothing they can do but surprise him and kick him in the balls and run. Now don't get it twisted. The reason you teach a girl, um, the reason you teach a girl a, a martial arts is so she can surprise her attacker and get away, not sit there and go toe to toe with him because in a fight that lasts 30 seconds or more, he will kick her butt. He will grab her and break her neck. I don't care how bad she is. This is not the movies out here. That's another thing y'all got to realize, too. This is not the movies. Women, I don't care how big and strong they are. The weakest man is just as strong as a woman, the strongest woman, unless she's lifting weights or something. And even then, it ain't even that big. They make you think, oh, that, well, that's the problem with women trying to be men, that men sort of think that they are that they are men, and we sort of treat them different. And that ain't right either. But that being said, man, Another thing we got to talk about is why doesn't anyone teach us what authentic masculinity is when we're a small children anymore? Like I just going over that too. Nobody teaches us how to be men when we're when we're um when we're when we're little. Like you like you hear me say a lot. Like there's no place for men for boys to go and be warriors anymore. There isn't. The reason I used to make in in in, in Africa and in the, in the Native America and even hold it, I'm not even gonna say that. Even in the European cultures and stuff, there's always some kind of right of ritual to be a man. Today, there's nothing. You know what it is? It's football. And I ain't talking about no soccer neither. I'm talking about football. You take your boy when he gets six years old, seven years old. You take his butt to the nearest little league football and you get him in it. You know why? Because then he will learn how to take a punch and give a punch. He'll learn how to protect himself. He'll learn how to he'll learn how to be a real man. When his butt gets knocked down, he'll know he got to get back up. That's why football is the greatest sport in the history of the world. That's one of the reasons. And every mother, stop being, stop, stop neglecting, stop being, stop, um, stop, uh abusing your son and let him be a man and take him to football and let him be a football player. You know why? Because he will learn how to protect his wife. He'll carry himself in a different way that a regular dude don't. 
And, and like I said, he will learn how to take a punch, how to give a punch. He'll learn discipline. He'll learn a lot of these things that women can't teach a boy how to be, especially if your daddy ain't around, if his daddy ain't around. Okay? But nobody, that's the, uh, that I know, now look, I, look, there are some cultures in the United States, some families, look, they'll put their kid out in the woods and say, listen, you got, you got to be out here for three or four, five days, and then I'll be back and get you. I want you to clear this stuff and eat. I want you to... Uh, fix your own food, put the fire up there, <laughs> you know, you know, boom, you know, um, that's what we, that's what some goose do. If you in the city, the only thing you got basically is to put your son in football. If you can, and then if you got a, if you got a good coach, if you got a bad coach, they will teach your son how to take a punch, give a punch, how to be disciplined. He'll get confidence as a man, as a little boy. He'll, and if he goes, if he plays football from the time he's seven through high school, dude, your son will be a, he will have the masculine traits of how to start being a real man. Okay. Cause boys need, they need confidence. They need confidence. So that's the only place that I see that I, and I, if anybody else can, yeah, anybody can comment on that all you want, uh, you know, and let me know. Uh, so, uh, Oh, I got a call. So what I'm gonna do real quick, I'm gonna finish this. Then we're going to take a, a, a break and I'll take my caller. So next the society, um, the society's measure of a man work. Let's talk about this real quick for like about 30 seconds. I'm going to name off these things. The society, the society's measure of a man work. So having sex with as many women as we can, does that work as being a man completely focusing on pleasure and having as much of it as we can? Does that work? Do whatever we feel that makes us happy. Does that work? Always considering ourselves first before the well-being of others and the good of society. Does that work? Neglecting God because he has too many rules and regulations. Does that work? Uh, leaving our wife when she no longer makes us so-called happy or we can get anything of worthwhile out of her. And so I want you guys to think about those questions. And um, and, and we're going to go. I went over a little bit already. But um, also, I got a uh, I got a comment that says, Jerry, when I thought I was doing good and was really smart, <laughs> my mom used to tell me, just remember, there's always someone better than you. Now I laugh at it because I understand. Awesome. He's right or she's right. It doesn't say his name. Uh, so, hey, I like that. That being said, we will go and take a break and I'm going to come back to my caller. Bam. If you're getting value from this podcast and would like more personal marriage help, visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com for an opportunity to work with me personally for free. Yes, within 30 days, learn how to become a better husband that attracts your wife back to you. Visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com and get a plan tailored specific to your marriage and situation. I've helped hundreds of men in their marriages. Allow me the chance to help you using my personal and gained experience. Visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com for superior coaching for your marriage. Again, SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com. That's SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com to become the man God created you to be and the husband your wife needs. Lastly, I always get the question, why don't you help women? And I always answer them, I do. So for all of you beloved wives out there that want to reignite that feeling of emotional closeness and complete love from your hubby, consider marriage coaching and visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com for an improved marriage within 30 days. 
All right. All right. We are back. Are back. So Larry is the one who sent that comment. I really like it. You know, a lot of times we hear our mothers and fathers talk when we're young. We don't believe nothing they say until we get out in the real world. And we say, oh, my God, what my daddy said was right. I really didn't start appreciating my father until I got in the military. Until I was like 18, 19 years old, 20 years old. All the stuff he would talk, all the stuff my father taught me, man, dude, I was like, man, that stuff is real. Look at these crazy people. <laughs> so I'm in the Air Force. I'm going to travel all, traveling all over the world and stuff. And all the stuff my father taught me, it helped me. It helped me grow instincts. That's why you need daddies. Mothers can't teach instincts like that because they're not, they're women and they have different gifts than men do. So it's hard for them to really get inside a boy's head and get him to do stuff that he's, that he needs to be able to do. Like my boys all the time, like my boys, you know, they are, they got jobs now, you know, and that's great and everything. But when they go out and like, they'll go, they want to go visit the colleges and they want to go hang out with their friends and stuff. You know what I tell them? First thing I tell them they leave, I said, hey, man, use your instincts. Use your instincts, man. When you out here in the society, dude, use the instincts that we talk, that we talk about all the time. You know, um, but my boys, they try to act cool all the time and stuff. You know how boys are trying to act all cool and stuff. But the stuff, when the stuff hits the fan, they don't play. <laughs> so I'm going to go with my caller right now. Let me see. Hope I can help. I hope the technology is working good today. Hello, caller. Hello? Hello. Hey, I'm a longtime listener, several time caller. Hey, man, how you doing? Just fine. Hey, I had a question for you, and it's in regards on how to approach judges that don't follow the judicial canons in regards to getting them towards the godly principles that are even written into the statutes for both Kentucky and Indiana, because I've got to go to court on Thursday. Uh-huh. And so how to approach a judge that, man, t- man, talk in uh, layman's terms, because, you know, you be talking that court stuff, man. Talk so I can understand. No, I'm saying, how do you approach a judge? <laughs> all, all your laws in society are based on biblical principles. Yes. Okay? Yep. And I found a passage in the Bible that specifically states that heed to the lawyers that put these burdens on people and they're not even lifting their finger to themselves. And it's in a book of Luke chapter 11. I think it's verse 46. They're not willing to do the um, lifting of the stones that they burden people with by putting these massive weights on them. So the reason why I say that is um, my wife and I could have just as easily had a court order that says that we're going to start counseling way back in February of last year. No, the judges wanted the lawyers to have an argument to make money and just to screw things up. How do you convince a judge to make it about the law, which is godly principles, instead of making it about their own biases? Because what I see is they're acting demonistic in their ways with their rulings. Well, I advise guys when they go into the courtroom, man, because I've been inside a courtroom before and it ain't pretty. Um, and what I do and and you're not going to agree with me because I mean, you had this discussion before, I think, but I think that what we got to do, one of the things that we do, I don't mind quoting law and quoting what we supposed to be doing or what the judge supposed to do and, and all that stuff. But I also believe that today, since people are so much into emotion, it works in the courtroom too, that if you can get a person to care about you as a person, as a situation, instead of a number, then you have a lot better chance of them bending things towards your way. 
um, you're a very smart man. And, and, you know, you could do that if you really wanted to. Um, but I'm not saying it's easy, but man, I've, I've seen it work. People do it and they, they try to get the judge to really see them as a person and not because you got to remember those judges are very busy. The lawyers are very busy. That's why in one of the states that I know of, it's, it's a moneymaker. They, what they do is, and once you file for divorce in this particular state, dude, they get you, they make you file for divorce now. It ain't no getting out of it. Unless the unless the person who files pulls it pulls it back, but even then they make it hard to get out of the divorce. And so what I'm saying is why because it's a number, it's money to them. And so with you, if I were if I were you, I would first try my best. I would tell my story and try to let them know how you feel. And I know as a man, when we say how I feel, that sounds weak. But in this situation in today's society, people respond to emotions a lot better because they they're trained to do that now. They're, that's what they do. So if you can get them to care about you as a person, care about your wife as a person, uh, care about your marriage and what you're trying to do, and then go into like, this is what I, as a judge, what you should do, and as a lawyer, what you should do, and that kind of thing. Other than that, man, that's the best I have for you. But a lot of times, a lawyer, if you got a good lawyer, which you don't believe in that, you, you represent yourself. Um, but uh, 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 if you get advice from a, a lawyer, sometimes they can tell you how to do that too, because lawyers are very good at that themselves with juries. If you got, if you can find a, um, a good juror lawyer, man, they can tell you how to do that. So that's what I think. But well, what do you think? I know. Here's the problem with that, though, Jerry. I've there's a principle I was taught as a seven year old. I haven't deviated from it, and it infuriates both the lawyers and the judges. And and it has to do with something what my uncle taught, and I don't want to share it on the record for um, protecting the integrity of what I'm trying to do because it gives me the advantage in every court case. Mm -hmm. But I just put out a email to the lawyer in Indiana in regards to my daughter's case, and I said, I just wanted to give you um, a heads up that we're going to be asking for a substitute judiciary come Thursday, and here's the reason why. And I listed all the reasons she has to do it, and it's her responsibility to ensure the judge knows it. So I'm just, it's like when you boil um, soup, the cream rises to the top. All I'm doing by doing that is I'm actually, and I said it during last Wednesday's hearing, and the attorney looked at me and said, it's my job to make you a better attorney. And everybody kind of looked at me like he's got his head screwed on wrong. Why does he care if the lawyer does a bad job? Well, that's the whole reason why there's so many problems in society is Lawyers don't hold themselves to the highest standard, which that means the judges don't hold themselves to the highest standard. So it just trickles down. So you put poop in, you get poop out is what I say. <laughs> yeah. I was just asking for, I was just asking for this reason because there was a rhetorical question to ask in both judges I'm in front of. And I said, I didn't dedicate but three hours to this. And we're supposed to be talking about money today. At the end of the hearing, after five plus hours, I said, John, I'm going to be appealing anything you do. And she looked at me and I said, I made it about love. I said, I don't know what my wife got married for other than money, because that's what we're talking about today is money. You've yet to do anything about the loving part of a marriage. And I'm going to be doing the same thing on Thursday. I'm going to hammer that judge so hard right out of the gate on statutes. He's going to be forced to have to make a legal decision and not a personal decision because they all rule with their hearts instead of ruling with the law. If they rule with the law, we win as a society. If they rule with their hearts, we lose. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was asking 
because it, like you said, everybody's so emotional today and everything they do. And the judge is upset and she goes, I didn't dedicate five hours to this, but we'll come back after lunch since Mr. Henry keeps on. And I literally told her on the record, I said, Your Honor, the reason why I don't ask, answer your questions directly, I'd have been taught not to in the military. Yeah. Because yeah. I see her as being combative because she hasn't ever addressed the first issue, which started back in November of 2021. So if you're not willing to clean up the mess that started it, why should you give um, peace to that? That's why I'm asking you that. But that's what I'm if, saying. But that's what I'm saying, man. If you, especially you got a woman judge and there's a woman lawyer on the other end, there's a, you're, you're trying, you're talking to your wife's a woman. I mean, you gotta, if it's nothing that I have not taught you over the last year, or whatever, that's one thing I taught you that women are emotional, not because they want to be, because that's, that's in them from E from the fall, right? Because of the nurturing of children. So women want to give you what you want. You just got to give them excuse to. And that's what I'm saying. We're in the courtroom, man. You got a judge that's a woman, a, a, a the defense attorney. I mean, I mean, a uh, prosecuting attorney that's a that's a woman. The, you got a, your your lawyer's wife's a woman. Your your let's say your lawyer was a woman. I mean, you got a courtroom of women. Of course, that's you want to get them on your side first, and then if if you can't get them to see that way, and they don't identify with you, then then that's when you start hammering them. My thing is, you could do both and still be successful. But you know, you got a lot more experience than that to me, man. You really do. So I don't really don't. Okay. Try to... I just thought I'd ask on that. Yeah. So my, I got a question. For oh, you. and by the way. Yeah. By the way, my wife has been taught striking um, tactics that I was taught in the military. So you taught your wife. To get yeah, away yeah, from yeah. a guy your size. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you. That's what I was going to ask. But, but, but what'd you say though? It has to be a surprise attack though. She has to like, she has to, have to be a surprise. Like, if the if the battle goes on for any more than 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 thirty seconds to a minute to two or three minutes, you know, you know. But I was going to ask you anyway. Oh no, I instinctively did it to her. I didn't tell her I was doing it. I was talking, and then all of a sudden, I I would just do something for her protection because the best way you learn is the hard way. You have to learn firsthand, hands on. Yeah. You have to get hands on training. You get your hands dirty. When when she sees herself having to defend herself against. Um, an attacker for abandoning me at a restaurant, she sees it as she has to sit back and fight. And who better to fight with than her own husband to ensure, since he already knows how to uh, do martial arts and he knows how to do striking um, maneuvers that will deter an assailant. You know, so I showed her how to. And so I, I did it in a gentle way, but I did it to the point where she can actually incapacitate a guy's throat because guys don't yeah. expect to be hit in the throat. Right. Exactly. And that's that goes to my point. It was still that's still a surprise attack. That's not something that she can sit there and keep doing over and over again because eventually he's gonna overtake her. But my point of what I'm asking you, I want to ask you is, you know, you were a special forces and all that. So what do you think about the raising of boys, right? Like what we're like what I was talking about, like putting sitting boys out here in the society, you know what I'm saying? I know you got some thoughts on that. Well, here's my opinion on this. My, one of my fondest memories is when I was nine years old. We weren't allowed to say hate in our family. And I only said it once as a child. And the one time I said it is because my dad was asking me to help him with the project in the backyard. So I was his gopher. Scott, go for this tool, go for that tool. Mm-hmm. And it, I had to go down into the basement to get the tools. And of course, I'm nine. I don't know all the names of the tools by um, definition. Mm-hmm. And he came down there and he was upset with me because he doesn't think I'm paying attention. 
And out of my mouth comes, Dad, I hate you, because I wanted to play baseball all day. <laughs> it was a Saturday. Right. I covered up my mouth like, whoop, Real I'm going to get it now. Back, my dad jumped. <laughs> yeah. well, I know, but watch this. My dad jumped. Remember that keep on trucking um, logo that you used to see where the guy had a big step? Yeah. You know, and he would stretch his feet. My dad leaped seven stairs on the uh, <laughs> entry to the basement, grabbed me by my back on my, my pants, took me upstairs up into the, now he's going up two stories because it's a Cape Cod style house. He took his belt off and lashed into me. I was screaming so loud. My mom came running home from five houses down the street. And it's the best memory I have of my dad because he didn't spare the rod. He, he disciplined me. So I've only said hate one other time in public. Now I say loathe and despise because those are <laughs> better words to use. But I'm just saying if it wasn't for that discipline in my dad, I want to be able to maintain a certain level of um, composure in a courtroom. Or not just that. Like, if it wasn't like how that. did that help you in the military too, right? Like when you, w- when you went to the military, you probably, I mean, you probably already looked, okay, if I grew up my father like that, then I know how to act when, in front of these drill instructors and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I was just telling a friend last night that there was a racial epithet that a uh, um, drill sergeant said to me, and he's black. So I won't say the epithet out of respect for your show, but he asked me if I, he's ever had a blank from South Carolina tell you what to do before. And I said, no, Joe Sergeant. And I just repeated it back. He says, are you blanking with me? I said, no, Joe Sergeant, you're my drill Sergeant. I'm going to do that, but I would like to beat the crap out of the black guy that's referring to himself as a blank. And he started smiling. He said, you know what? I really like you, Private Hendry. Why don't you go ahead and just give me another 50 push-ups? <laughs> and that, I agree 100% on the two-year service for all um, 18-year-old men because we're raising boys today because half the kids are being raised by mothers. And uh, how many times, Jerry, have you heard in public, I don't need a man in my life. I'm a, I'm a father and a mother, and I'm thinking, you can't be. Right. God didn't design you that way. And you get all these wussy boys out there doing all these Antifa stuff and – boycotting or taking cameras and doing that second oh, amendment dude, rights which is a- dude do you remember that you see that one video man it was all over the internet and, and and social media and it was all over the uh the regular media too where this woman they were they were doing a pro-life march or something and this dude he had a mask on he's a serious punk too he took that he he hit that woman in the back of her head dude that was the most disgusting thing I ever seen happen on TV. The woman, they were all holding hands and walking. He walks up to the back of her and hits her in the back. I don't, I don't remember if he had a club or he did it with his fist, but he hit a woman in the back of her head. For, that is, is that a coward or what? Is that a coward or what, man? You know, that's just the boy that lost his way, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. But my that's son, lack of man or a mother that doesn't care. It's, it's, it's if it's not both. It's definitely a lack of a man in this household because um, I wasn't allowed to get away with anything when I was a kid. No, me neither. As long as I was home. Yeah. So, yep. And that's then- how life has changed in society because I was going to also tell you this is a little tidbit for your own information. Do you know um, President Eisenhower in 1955 was the one that put um, in God we trust on all our financial currency? Were you aware of that? Yeah, I think I am. I think I was. Yeah. Well, they're trying to get it removed again yeah, because yeah. it's so offensive to everybody. I heard about that. It's not offensive. No, it's not offensive. That's just that's just another way trying to get the Satan to have the country. 
you know. Yep, that's right. I agree with you. So, so thanks, Jerry. No, thank you, man. Have a good week. Bye. All right, bye. All right, all right. We'll be right back, and then we are going to hit it up. We're going to hit up with our uh, finish up our radical rant for today. Let me see. Boom. All right. Good call. Good call. Always like good calls. So um, y'all have heard us talk about what me and others talk about, you know, what a man is and how to raise a man and and what others have done. If you have a comment, you know, that you would like, give me a call, man. We could talk about it. I love talking about this kind of stuff. This is good because we, you know, we, we have been, we have been, the wool has been pulled over our eyes about how to be men. It really has. And we fell for it. We fell for it. Now, the thing about it is you can still be a man and know how to treat people and be a nice, virtuous man and holy man, too. You know, you don't have to be a jerk. That's not being what a real man is. A, a real man is being like Christ. And we're going to go into what that means here in a little bit. But with that being said, man, I want y'all to really understand that, man, it's hard being a man out here. As you hear me always say, I always make my wife laugh. It's hard out here for a pimp. <laughs> it's hard out here for a pimp these days, man. It is. Trying to be a real man and trying to be as Christ. Anytime you try to be like Christ, man, like the like, you know, somebody wants to go up from, walk up from behind you and put a put a bat to the back of your head. That's a coward. Anybody that does that to a woman is a coward or a man too. You know that dude ain't that he's. We have the right to peaceably march, but they try to take that away now. People kill me these days. I will look, I agree with you and we'll do, you know, as long as we agree. As long as we agree with each other, I'm your best friend. So as we disagree with each other, you're my stone cold enemy. And even, even liberals go through that too, man. Like they'll be a friend with somebody and they disagree. They ain't friends no more. It's not just happening in the conservative or the or the Christian or the atheist world like that. It's it's ev- in families, it's everywhere. You got a child. You you know you you try to teach your child right. He he thinks he know better than you, and then y'all he he leaves the family. You don't hear from him for five years. Crazy stuff, crazy stuff. You know, but that's what these universities are teaching your kids, man. They don't teach them nothing. Listen, just because, and I know everybody out there can agree with me on this one. Just because you're smart does not mean that you have common sense. <laughs> <laughs> just just because you're smart, book smart. That does not mean you have common sense. It doesn't. If you ask me, I would rather be smart. I would rather have common sense than be book smart. I really would. Because being book smart, yeah, you're going to make a little money. Uh, it's going to get you through it. You might get through a little bit. Common sense will, will help you survive the world. It will help you survive the world, man. Um, so with that being said, as I promised, how to save your marriage when your wife is giving up. Holy lover gift, Holy lover gift number 12 which states a holy lover uses Christ as his ultimate ultimate example of manliness. Holy lover gift number 12, a holy lover uses Christ as his ultimate example of manliness. Our ultimate example of true masculinity is Jesus Christ. We must understand that. Christ is not some wuss. He's not some weak person. No matter how you see him portrayed, I hate how they betray Christ in these 
pictures and on these walls and churches. I just hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Hate it. But it is what it is. But Christ, the true man incarnate, was nothing like that you see his picture. Okay. And if you look at him and you listen, you read what he, and you read the scripture and you read what he, how he says things and you read how he does things, you will see and how he died for us. He died for us for a reason, knowing that for 33 years. And I'm going to ask you right now, could you have endured with Christ, with Jesus Christ endured? Could you? And remember, the stuff's true because of all the witnesses that were there. So let's don't get it twisted on that, on that front either. Could you have taken being scourged? Could you have taken being betrayed? Could you have taken putting uh, uh, big nails in your in your wrists and your hands and in your in your feet like that? Could you have taken knowing for thirty three years that you were going to be crucified and put on a cross and nailed to it? You know, every day by day, every day, knowing that that was going to happen when you're a kid, when you're a teenager, when you're a young man, and then in your thirties, he knew that. You would, man, you die from fright. I know I probably would. <laughs> I'd die from fright, you know, you know, and Christ, he, he, you know, he, you got to understand, man, that, you know, if they would just portray Christ as more of a masculine man, more dudes would come on board too. We've got to stop talking about mercy, mercy, mercy all the time. We got to stop talking about, you know, um, what is it? Love, love, love all the time. Cause men don't respond to that. Men respond to missions. Just look, forget all the love and mercy, man. Just tell me what my mission as a man is. Just tell me what I'm supposed to do. I ain't got time for all this love, mercy stuff. And plus, you know, that's too mushy for me. And I, I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta be in the warrior mode, and I ain't got time to be talking about love and mercy all the time. That's why priests and pastors and other in these churches that, that, that preach on that, all that's all they preach on, man, nobody's listening to you, man. The women may be listening to you, maybe. But definitely the men ain't. They don't hear. I tell you what, for the since I've been a Catholic for I forgot how long. My wife could tell me, maybe what 15, 20 years now. I don't know. I, I'm a convert, y'all. So get be patient with me. <laughs> but I, I can't remember. Is I can't remember like when I go to mass. Remember what's, what the priest talked about. I can't. I can't remember what nothing they say. Once I leave out of once I leave and walk down the steps to go get my car, I can't remember what they talked about. You know why? Because obviously they, they, they wasn't saying nothing. Because I love Christ. I love him. When I say love Christ, I mean I want to know everything I can. I want to absorb every new thing that somebody teaches me. I want to absorb everything. That's why pastors do. The lady a injustice when they don't preach the true word of God and they leave us just standing there to go out this world and battle Satan on our own. That is not fair. Now, my wife always says, well, baby, that's their agenda. They want us to, that's how they want us to be. So, okay, if that's, if that's their agenda, okay, I understand that, you know. But still, if you are a true lover of Christ and you are a shepherd, if you are a pastor or a priest and you're a that means you're a shepherd. That means you are your responsibility is to shepherd your flock, which is who? The parishioners and the laity sit in front of you every Sunday, every daily mass, every conference, every gospel concert, everyone. It's your job to, to shepherd those people. 
And if all we're teaching them is love and mercy, love and mercy, love and mercy, how is that going to teach them how to survive out here? That's not. First of all, we should be safe. If you're going to say love and mercy, the third thing right behind that, a close third, is justice. Love, mercy, and justice. That is what, see, a man can get behind that, but that's why they don't talk about it. Because a man can get behind justice, right? Love, yep, you love them. Mercy, yep, you give them mercy when they deserve it. And justice, you give a butt justice, put their butt in jail, send their butt to hell when they don't do what they're supposed to do. Boom, a man can get behind that one. But if all we talk about is love and mercy, man, dudes, they get tired after like about five seconds. Okay, okay, I understand love and mercy, Pastor. I understand that. That's cool and everything. But you know what? I'm trying to be a man out here. Equip me. Equip me how to be a man out here. What am I supposed to do? What, what am I supposed to say? How am I supposed to treat my wife and my children? How am I supposed to learn? What is what is God, what is Jesus Christ saying on these things? You know, and believe it or not, you people that did a go solo, solo scriptura, you can't get this stuff that I'm telling you. You can't get all of it from the Bible. Why? Because you must have the Catholic Church must interpret it with by who? The doctors of the church, the saints and the popes. They interpret, it's called the magisterium. They interpret it so that you can understand the Bible and how to, what to pull from it. Because a lot of times, and we can all testify to this one, we read a scripture and we think we know what it means. And we like, like this morning, I read the script, scripture and, and adoration and Jesus Christ was talking about telling them, oh man, what was he saying? You can't, oh, talking about the four feet and the four and five thousand. And then they in the boat after that and then, Christ said, hey, man, the, uh, the, the one apostle said, hey, man, we only got we only got one loaf. Of course, you know, Jesus got mad. <laughs> Don't you understand? We've got more than one loaf. We got 12 loaves and we got this and that. And you've you've got. Don't you have eyes to see and ears to hear? I'm like that. He's going off on their butt. But that's my whole point, man. You just reading that scripture. You would think that Jesus Christ just they just talking about food. But it's not. It's talking about, you know, Jesus Christ, the 12 tribes of Judah. And it's talking about, I forgot his other, the seven loaves. The seven loaves is what the, oh, the, 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 the Gentiles, the Gentile, the, the Gentile tribes or whatever. So, yeah, man, you wouldn't even know that. You have to, you have to get, you have to get, you know, that's why as you have to be formed right when you're reading scripture. When I say formed right, you must be formed from a baby and and, 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 and and as you grow, you get more and more of God. And then when you read scripture, then you can and then you 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 get more and more from it and you start to understand it more. So with that being said, a holy lover, again, uses Christ's ultimate example of manliness. Look, him and St. Joseph of the Holy Family are what we are to support, what we are to measure ourselves against as we journey through this life. The most unfortunate thing is men aren't taught. How or what true masculinity is these days? I speak to all of the men many, many times who are quite upset that they were not taught what being a real man is. Because especially in society, when we go out here, we try to be a real man and try to underdo what we think one is or what we see other people be. We get smacked down. We get told we're toxic. We get told, you know, our wife's calling the police on us because, you know, we raised our voice a little bit to tell her, hey, like, stop messing with me or whatever. Um, and then, of course, the police come and they do what they they going to do. They do what they do. They take everybody to jail. You know, that's why if you're a woman, if your husband don't, didn't hit you, if your husband didn't hit you, 
uh, these days, if if he hits you and put a mark on you, or whatever, or if he doesn't hit you, these days, if you you call a if you call police, they taking everybody to jail. See, don't be they you don't get it twisted. They're gonna take you if you you know what your husband's arguing and say he threatened me. You call the police, well, they just they don't want nobody to get hurt, so they just take everybody to jail and they take your kids and put them in foster care for the night. So call the police ain't the best way to go sometimes. What you try to do is, as a woman, you got to understand how to be a woman and try to try to talk to your man. And then men, you got to understand that when you feel yourself getting upset as a man, what you do is you just leave for a while. That's what most real men do. We just leave for a while and come back. Now, there are some dudes that they, they, they have anger problems that's completely different. Okay, but I mean dudes that are just trying to protect their home and love their wife. You get the tiff or something, and then women these days. That's why you don't. That's another thing. You don't you don't live with a woman and not be married to her, uh, because what's going to happen? She's calling the police. Y'all had no commitment like that. She's calling the police on you. You calling the police on her, and it's just crazy. It's madness. Okay. Next, the most unfortunate thing is men aren't taught how or what true masculinity is these days. I speak to men all the time, like I said. So the truth is about us being men is nobody really cares because it's all about emotion and feeling and what makes us happy. We've removed God from the schools, our jobs, the courthouse steps, and in many cases from our families. We don't even have God in our homes anymore, you know, because what happens is when we stop praying. There's no effect at first. Like, and so we get in the habit of not even praying in our house and bringing God in our house. So we start to think where everything is okay. It's not really okay. It's not okay. Okay. Uh, Without God, there's no reason to be a real man. Again, without God, there's no reason to be a real man. What does that mean? Well, if, if there's no God, then what am I trying to be good for? What am I trying to be a real man for? What do I even care about being a man for? The reason you care because it's written on your heart in the natural law. This is how you know. This is one of the reasons why you know there's a God. That these these uh, these instincts that we have, these things written up on our heart, these are put there by God so that we strive. Because anything in the natural law is is designed to help us move towards God. Okay. Next, Satan had conned us into Satan has conned us to believing true masculinity is doing whatever we want. When we want, with no regard for the lives we've charged to oversee, Christ came down from being God to die for us, his church, which is his bride. St. Joseph sacrificed his whole life for the Blessed Mother and Christ. St. Joseph actually saved the life of God. What is the lesson here? We as men must choose to give our life for our bride and for our kids every day through prayer, suffering, sacrifice, and by giving our time. We've got to understand your only true love, your only true love for your wife and your children is to get on your knees and pray for them every single day to enter the spiritual battle, gift number two, I think, of the holy lover, okay? If, you, if you're not getting on your knees and praying for your wife and children your marriage every day, how do you expect your marriage and your home to be of peace? How do you expect to keep your wife happy? How do you expect to keep your kids sane? It's not going to happen. And eventually, without you doing that, they will eventually go astray. There are plenty of men who thought that their wife would never leave them, who they thought would never mess around on them, who they thought would never divorce them, that now see different. Because they refuse to listen to the call of the Holy Spirit to get them in the in the life 
and the true life of giving their time, which is what? Give, that's how you give your life away, through prayer, suffering, and sacrifice. Don't get it twisted. This is the mark of greatness in this life. So here are eight tests of true men, of true man to help you live your daily life, to help you see purpose in your life, to help you see all that you do truly means something, to help you become great in the eyes of God, your wife, and your children. I ask, is there any other true measure of a man? The true measure of a man is your relationship with God, the love and respect of your wife, and how your children see you. Just worry about that. Just worry about that and you will become great, no matter what anybody else says. These dudes out here with these crapped out families and these crapped out marriages, they'll be looking at you to save them, to teach them how to build what you have. Believe it or not, man, that is what true greatness is, man. I'm going to say it again. Your relationship with God. You need God. Why? Because of grace. You need God because of grace. Okay? Because you need grace to help keep your wife fulfilled as a woman and satisfied and love and to feel loved. Then how you the love and respect of your wife. And then how your children view you. Do your children respect you? Do your children love you as a as a man, uh, as their father? Do they like being around you? Do they like, do you know, do they care about you? You know, or are they telling all the disrespect like they are they doing what we talked about earlier in this show? They disrespect you to them, they hate you. And things like that, you know, it's very important that you as a man understand that greatness is true. Greatness is those three things. If you just worry about that, most of the time, everything, not most of the time, all the time, everything, everything else will take care of itself. Okay. So number one, get over it. This life is a test. This life is a test. Every man, you've got to understand that starting off the bat. This life is a test. A test of what? A test of your love for God. A test. Every decision. Do you deserve to be in the beatific vision with God? Do you deserve that? Every decision you make, every every thought you make, everything you do is a test of obedience to God because that is the only true test of love for God is obedience. It's not love and mercy. Love and mercy means I love God. Through what? Through obedience. Okay, just like your parents, you shoot, you prove you love your parents because you do what they say when you're a child. Okay, the only true test of your claim of true love of God is obedience. Must you must realize your ultimate goal is not pleasure but heaven, and you can't make it to heaven on pleasure. You must be willing to give your life away. You will never be truly fulfilled and happy as a man until you are willing to die for something, to in fact give all of your life away and deny selfishness. Selfishness will kill your life. If all you do is think about yourself, even most of the time or some of the time, you really cannot think about yourself as a man anytime, anytime first. I'm not saying you can't at all, but it can never be first. This is why I try to tell men who come to me, they're telling me, well, you know, I try to, I'm trying to help them to save their marriage and get their life and family back together. And they're throwing excuses at me was I got to pay a bill or I got to get my credit right before I give you this money or I got to do this. And I'm trying to tell you, man, your priorities are messed up. You've been doing it your way for 15, 20 years, for five years, for a year. Has any of that worked for you? A real man makes decisions. Why? In this order. 
God first, then my wife and my marriage, then my kids. Then if all those three are taken care of, okay, then go pay your bill. Then go pay your mortgage. Then go buy a new car. Then go buy a fishing boat. I had a wife tell me that her, her husband, their marriage, is, their marriage is totally screwed up. And then he won't let her spend no money. But he goes and buys a dang fishing boat that costs $10,000, $20,000. You see what I'm saying? Is that a man? No, it's priorities, man. If you if you serve as a man, your job is to serve, and you serve in that order. God, your wife in marriage, and your children. You serve like that, man, then your wife will look at you different. She will. Your kids look at you different because they see that you're not doing anything for yourself. Everything, your whole being is about them. It's about God and them. And when people don't care about you, they know you care about them. And as a man, it's got to be your actions. Okay, if I'm sitting in front of you telling you, man, this is wrong with your marriage. You ain't got no more time. Your wife is filed for divorce and you're telling me I'm going to go buy a fishing boat first. Does that make any sense in the scheme of things? Number two, the way to authentic masculinity through suffering and responsibility. Arch Fulton J. Sheen is taught, taught us we are taught to abhor suffering at all costs. This makes us soft and kill our thirst for battle. Instead of embracing responsibility, today we do all we can to reject responsibility. This causes emasculation and effeminity. The way to true masculinity is through suffering and responsibility. This is why you hear me say, send your kids, your son to play football. Send your kid, make it tough for him. It's, it's been said if your son doesn't break a bone, he's, he's, he's not going to be a real man. He's going to be a wuss, you know. So you, you've got to understand the kids to learn how to take pain just like adults can take pain because pain and suffering gets you through a lot. You know, uh, this thing about how they how how um, um, the same the home, the homosexuality infiltrated the Catholic Church and the priesthood through all the seminaries. You know, they came in and they wanted to infiltrate the, the church. And that's what they did. And but homosexuals, the thing about them is they like it. They like life easy. They don't want to work. And so what happens is they don't want to give confessions. They don't want to do masses. They really don't want to, they don't want to um, help. They don't want to do daily masses. They don't want to do anything like that. Just because that's work. It's work. When you as a priest, you sign up to go to be in poverty, to serve and give your life away for your bride, the church. And that's what you do. You represent Christ. But when that happened, a lot of things started going the wrong way. Now, I'm the, that's not me. That's true fact. That's in history. Okay. So that being said, we've got to understand we suffer and through responsibilities, how you become a man. Okay. This is how you do it. And Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen knew that. Um, you never give, you never give in to your wife just, just to gain peace in your home if it interferes with your duties and responsibilities to do what's best for the marriage and family. A lot of guys, to, 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 to bring that down, a lot of guys would do whatever their wife says just to have peace in the home. That is effeminacy. That is emasculation. Sometimes you got to do what your wife does not want you to do if that is what's best for God and your children and the family as a whole. You know, you've got to understand that. Your wife will be mad at, at first, but she'll get over it. Why? Because you got that 500-pound gorilla behind you called Jesus Christ that's behind you because you're not making the decision for yourself, making the decision for, for uh, the whole of the family.
Okay. We never, we never agree with our wife just to keep peace in the home because that is the way to hell to her not respecting you and for your marriage starting to go south, not being as good as it should be. If you do this just for the pleasure of peace, you're in fact rejecting authentic masculinity. And in the end, you will invite chaos in your home. Number three, you are charged with leadership. Leadership. Leadership doesn't mean you're walking around telling everybody else what to do and stuff. It don't mean that. Leadership means I go and I serve. I serve everybody before I serve myself. That is what authentic masculinity is. I don't be worrying about my pleasure and what I got to do and all that stuff. You know, and if I feel uh, and then I also to my wife, I explain my actions to my wife. Why? Because she's my helpmate. She deserves to know that. And if I just go around making all these decisions that I don't tell my wife about and explain it, she's like, oh, you don't love me. You don't care about me. You don't respect my my input. You don't even respect me as a woman. You can't even be upfront and honest with me. I can't tell you how many guys that go around making decisions in the family and don't tell their wife about it. That is ludicrous. Your wife has the right to know that. Okay. Why do I? Um, so again, three, you are charged with leadership. Why did I name my positive Catholic alpha? You cannot be a wuss in your home straight up and straight out. You must do the tough and hard stuff. You must make the hard and tough decisions. Even when no one else in your family sees it, it's okay to be laid back in, in society as a man, but in your home, you must you must lead and serve. You must take an alpha role so that you can get things done and lead your marriage and family towards God. You must realize in the end that your family would do what you do and be what you be. In your home, you cannot be laid back. You cannot just allow people to do whatever they want to do. You got to take control and lead by example and through love and through mercy and through justice. Just like just like I was talking about earlier. You know, involve your wife in everything you do. Let her know what's on your mind. Talk to her. Let her know. Help her Help her understand. You know, a lot of times guys just do stuff that makes no common sense. You know, your wife, you want your wife to respect you, but we don't respect them. You know, um, so that being said, that's why I named my, my apostle Catholic Alpha is because not because I'm just alpha in which I don't think I am. But, you know, whatever. I don't care what nobody thinks on that. But what I do care about is trying to teach a man. Listen, you cannot be laid back in your home. You cannot because Satan will walk in and get past you because you weak. You cannot afford to be weak inside your home. Why? Because you have a family and a marriage and a God to lead everybody towards. And if we don't do what we're supposed to do, that's what happens. Okay. Um, number four, chapter uh, chapter two, verse 15 through 25. Your true purpose is to protect, defend, and serve. God tasked Adam to be responsible for all in the Garden of Eden, the animals, the birds, trees, and all. His wife, his marriage. As true man, you're responsible for everything. Your wife is your helper, your advisor, your counselor. You must let her do her job in this area or you or you fail as true man. Your wife is your helper, your advisor, your counselor. You must look at her like that. You know, um, your responsibility in the home is everything. The diapers, the dishes, the kids, everything is your responsibility. Now, having responsibility does not mean that you have to do everything, but having responsibility means you have to make sure that it's done. Okay. 
You know, like the kids, you can't do all of your job and the kids too. Wow, we've seen over millions and millions of failed homes that that doesn't work. That's why wives are nurturers and emotional because they need need that to bond with children. That's why you as a man are more logical so that you can take care of everything else while your wife's main focus is the children. It makes common sense if you just think about it. But what do we try to do in this country and other countries? We try to subvert God, subvert God. And like, well, God don't know what he's talking about. I'm going to do what I want to do. And then your family ends up being crap. You're in the divorce court. Do you? I don't want to be in divorce court. Do you? I hated it when I was in I was in divorce court, and I hated it. It was not fun. <laughs> it was not fun. Okay? So remember, even though in your home, you are, when you stand before God and for Jesus Christ at the particular judgment, which is what is when you first die, it's called a particular judgment. Right then, you are judged by Christ right then. So at the when you are judged by Christ at the particular when you first die, you can't be sitting around talking about, well, you know, well, my wife didn't do this and my wife didn't do that. Because who do you sound like? If you stand up before God and you talk about and, you're, and God said, hey, man, what happened? Well, my wife did this and my wife did that. And my kids did this and my kids did that. Who do you sound like? Huh? There's a red apple with your with your mouth on it and your and Eve's mouth on it. Does that sound right? You sound like Adam. You sound like Adam in the Garden of Eden. You sound like the, a man who's trying to defer his responsibility onto his wife and his children. Do you want to be judged like that? Of course you don't. Of course you don't. Okay. Um, number five, you are tasked by God to protect. So protect your family and your wife from physical threats. In protection, the person you are charged to protect is your beloved wife from you because she loves you. The opportunity for you to cause great pain is always present. Your job is to protect your family from outside physical threats, and it's also to protect your wife from you. You can't raise your voice to your wife. You can't call your wife names. You can't um, not listen to your wife. You cannot do any of these things because she starts to think you don't love her or care about her. And then once that starts to happen, the emotional connection starts to go away, and then your wife starts to go away as well. And then you look up and you don't understand what happened. My marriage is over. And then you're looking for a marriage coach to help you get out of it. Okay. Next, defend. Gift I mean, number six is defend. You're charged by God to defend. To defend your wife and family against the diabolical, the fallen angels, Satan. Remember, fallen angels and demons, they are fallen angels. They are angels. So Satan is an angel. So you think that you're going to outsmart an angel without the help of God and, and the Holy and the Blessed Mother and St. Joseph and the saints? You think that you're really going to outsmart Satan, who is an angel, who has preternatural gifts such as intelligence, high intelligence and strength and all that stuff that comes with that? Do you really, he's a supernatural being? Do you really think you can outsmart him without the help of God? See, that's our pride that's in there. I don't need God because I can I can outsmart, I can take care of anything that happens with my family. I got $5 billion in the bank, and I can take care of whatever happens in my life. I don't need anybody else or any kind of help. That is ludicrous as a man to think like that. That, that means you're saying that I'm I'm God, that I'm God, and I, don't, I, don't, I can handle anything. And then you get sick, and then you realize that $5 billion can't help you out of being sick. You got to go through chemotherapy just like the poor man. 
You got to go to the hospital just like the poor man. Are you God then? The reason we have pain in our lives, gentlemen, the reason we get disease and cancer and, and, and diabetes and arthritis and COVID and all this kind of crap is to so and people and babies die and our parents die and our wife dies. The reason why is because that is God saying, let reminded you, listen, you need me. You need me. And just because your life is good or you think your life is good, it's not. Because everybody's got to pay the piper. The pale horse does come. You've got to, we've got to start understanding that as men. This is why you hear me say, listen, I want you to have fun too. I want to have fun too. But really, you don't have time to make pleasure the end all be all of your life. Why? Because time ends. And I want you to be prepared. And so does Christ. And so that's why he allows pain in your life. You got to get through. That's why you hear me say life is a test. Okay. Next. Um, you're charged by God to defend. Defend your wife and family against the diabolical, the angels, the fallen angels and Satan. To do this, you need the help of the Holy Spirit. You must be in grace with God and you must fight to the end. You must embrace the battle. If not, you're failing as true man and Satan will move right past you, devouring your wife and children. Why do you think your wife, why do you think a wife becomes unhappy? Why do you think a wife becomes unfulfilled, unsatisfied? Why do you think a wife is, is nagging and, 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 and upset all the time? You know, do, 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 you, do we even know that, there's, that that's not a coincidence? It's not a coincidence that our children are unhappy or our wife is unhappy or that we are unhappy. It's a reason. And so this is why you must learn how to enter the battle, to defend your home against Satan, to really enter that battle and be serious about it every single day. Because you need the, we need the grace of God in our homes to help us to get through this. And God is not a crutch. It's not. God is not a crutch. The Catholic Church is not a crust. It's not a crutch. It's what you you need it because you like I just said. You're sitting up there trying to outsmart Satan, who is a fallen angel, who has more power and strength and intellect than you could ever think about having, which we had until after the fall. Until the fall, okay. You cannot defeat him by yourself. You can't do it. Okay. Next. Um, your wife cannot protect your home from the evil one. Only you are tasked with this special power. This is why you must enter the spiritual battle daily. Sunday is your main day of work. This is why adoration on Sunday is imperative. This is your brain. Your, this is your main battle time. Okay. And the last one. Nope. Two more. We are almost done. Okay. Uh, Number seven, to serve. As a true man, you can never consider your wants and desires over those for whom you are charged to protect. God is first to serve. Your wife is second to serve. Your children are third to serve. And yourself last if you have anything left. This causes the effect of submission by your wife. This causes her to lead your children towards you. If you serve your family the way God would have you do it, then your wife will lead your family, your children, and all your friends, the church, everybody towards you. And then you lead everybody towards God. That's the way it works, okay? Um, you then lead your, your wife and your children towards God. When you serve all ahead of you, your wife allows you to lead your family and denies the curse of Eve. The curse of Eve is basically 
uh, what happened after the fall, that after the fall, women have the urge to control their husbands. It's why when your wife starts nagging you right off the bat, you have serious marriage problems. And if you don't listen to that and you don't heed to that, what will happen is your wife will become unhappy. She will want to get a divorce. She will want to leave, take the children. She won't want to have sex with you anymore. She won't want to be around you no more. Okay? Really, when you when you have nagging, when your wife is nagging you, this is your first thing, that this is your first clue that you have marriage problems. So what do you have to do? You have to understand that the emotional closeness, your wife is trying to, your wife is trying to see if you still care about her. If you do what she says, well, then you still care. If she got nagged you getting them all the same stuff, then you don't care. So then she moves to the second part. I want to leave you. I want to get away from you because you're not making me happy. Okay? For 16, um, see. Um, next, uh, eight, humility. Oh my God. Please try your best. This is the last one. Try your best to really take this one in. Eight, humility defeats evil. Humility defeats evil. Pride is the act of judging yourself greater than you are. This is why people who think that I have a billion dollars, then I can solve whatever problem in my life, and I don't need anybody or God or anybody. This is the man who has not one dollar, and he won't ask for help because he's too prideful to get help, right? And so I can take care of my family. I don't need anybody's help. I don't need God's help. My wife is unhappy. My wife is leaving the home. My kids are unhappy. My kids are disrespectful, and I'm st- I got under control. No, you don't. That is Satan in your home. He has infiltrated it, and all you're doing when you have pride and ego in the way is what happens is you're telling God, I got it. So Satan is like, sweet. Hey, God, he said he got it. So can I have him? Yes, my son, you can have him. There he goes. Take his family, too. You guys got to understand how this stuff works, man. And I'm not, it's, it's complicated. It is complicated, but you can defeat it. Why? Because God has given you the powers of protection and defense against your, to, 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 to protect your home and defend it against Satan if you would just use the powers that you have. Humility is living by the highest and moral truth, meekness, and act of you dying to yourself, meaning for, foregoing all of your wants, desires, and needs in order to rest in God. Humility is living by the highest and moral truth and meekness in order to rest in God. Rest in God. Lean on God. The harder it gets, the tougher it gets. Rest in the Lord. You will see that you will gain strength. You will gain peace. You will get get confidence as a man because in the end, you know that God is really always there. Stay in grace. Go to confession. Keep the powers that God has given you strong, okay? Humility is the ultimate measure of the man. Christ shows us by his acceptance of his true mission as a man. He never wavered. He leaned on the Father. He held strong and steadfast in the face of evil. This is ultimately what he wants of you. Engage, fight, battle, and die, Christian soldier, if necessary. Bam! Let's talk about your Catholic marriage problems. Weekdays, 10 a.m. Eastern. Live streamed on the Catholic Alpha Radical Facebook page and CatholicAlpha.com. And so in conclusion, as we always do, 
We end with a quote from Pope Benedict XVI as I read it today as the quote of the day because it was very appropriate for what we were to study today. And I hope that you guys got a lot of in info out of this. Uh, we had a really good call, and I hope that this this episode really helped you. Um, manning up in your marriage is important. It's, it, it is kind of complicated, um, but a lot of times, you know, you need that. But that's what the Catholic Alpha Marriage Program does. It just doesn't help you save your marriage. It's much, much more than that. It helps you learn how to make every woman happy and satisfied and fulfilled. It makes you learn how to please God and to how to put all these tools and everything together to make you a better man, to live this life, to get through this journey. Because a lot of dudes think, well, I'll just get rid of her and go find me somebody else. But then what happens is that that relationship fails too. And the next relationship fails. The next relationship fails. You know why? Because, well, we take us with us. If we don't fix ourselves Every man in the world is attractive to some woman. I don't care how you look, how tall you are, how short you are, whatever. All of us have the gift of drawing women to us. But that is only the first part of it. How do you keep a woman happy, keep her satisfied, keep her fulfilled, keep her wanting more of you and not getting enough of you and always wanting to be around you and be the mother, the great mother that for your children? You've got to understand that. Um, and I, I want you, that's why the, the episodes we do are important. They really teach you and help you to understand that what you are doing is important every day. The hard part is maintaining that and trying to get, you know, trying to understand it and maintain that greatness throughout your whole life. That's the challenge because God is always sending challenges at you, you know, and um, so, oh, uh, let me see. Mark Brown. Oh, I got another. I didn't know. I, I didn't see this comment. So it says, um, hi there, a fan in Ireland. I didn't know that. I am a revert to the faith. My marriage is a, my marriage is a bit of a mess. I pray every morning and even and every evening for my wife and family. I pray the rosary every day, still a mess. Well, Mark, the question, the thing I want to say to you on this one is, man, um, you've got to understand, dude, that consistency and persistency is the key. And once your marriage gets to a certain point, once the chaos in your marriage and your family get to a certain point, you can't get out of it by yourself. People think if it was all just about prayer, then that's all anybody would do. And in two weeks, you'd have your marriage back. But the problem is with men, when when we neglect our marriage for so long, then people get hurt. And that causes damage. And the damage is very hard to repair. And so I always you always hear me talk about if if a man, if a man, you know, if you only have one or two problems in your marriage then yeah, you can solve it on your own. But once you get to three, four, five, 10, 15, 20 problems in your marriage, plus your job, plus your children, you know, plus whatever else is going on in your life, then you need someone to help run things off of to help you get all that back in order. And I'm telling you, Mark, you wouldn't be my first rodeo. I've helped a whole lot of men get organized in their life and get things in priority. The reason why is because 
you really it's hard for you to do it. It's hard for you to do it because you're in the hell, right? Like the hell has surrounded you and Satan has surrounded you and he's kind of got you in his grips. And you're right. You're praying the rosary every day. That's good. But you also understand how to be a man, a real man, so that draws your wife to you. You also got to understand about intimacy, what that means inside and outside the bedroom. And you also got to understand in the prayer, the warfare every day um, and what that means. And and, and you got to put all these tools together to, to help you to understand the priority of God, your wife, and your children. You hear me talk about it all the time, but how do you do that? You know, and this podcast, I'm sorry to say, I can't sit here like today. I've already went an hour and a half, <laughs> but I can't sit here and go two and three and four or five hours every day to give a person a program, you know, to get them through this. I can't. That's what special one on one time is for. That's what group sessions are for. That's what all of that stuff is for, you know, and really. I would love to help. That's why you hear me say, I think men, I think I care more about men's marriages sometimes than they do. But we procrastinate, we procrastinate, we procrastinate. And then we look up. The problem with women is once you hurt a woman, man, once you hurt her, it's just like when they, when she loves you. When she loves you, she loves you more than anything on this earth. She loves you more than her kids, herself. She loves you more than her job, her career. When your When your wife truly loves you, There's nothing, only you are the only one that can stop that love. You are. On the the opposite end, though, man, when your wife is mad and you hurt her and she hates you, dude, it takes a serious, it takes serious work to get that back. Takes serious work to get that back. You can do it, but you can't quit. But you got to understand what you're doing, too. You know, like I had like last week, you know, Thursday night is my biggest night of having all the guys come to the group, the group session. I didn't have, I only had like half the guys there last Thursday. And I'm thinking that's why their marriage is messed up. That's why their marriage is messed up. Because they won't get in there and do the work and do what it takes to keep their wife happy and get her back because they're too worried about their own self. They have allowed Satan to get in the middle of their marriage, man. And once you allow that, you got to get him out. But that means it takes work, just like your job every day. It takes work to keep that job and be good at it. I don't care if you are, what, what, whatever you are as a career or a job. It's all the same. You know, it takes work. Men, we, again, men look at relationships like it's, a, it's, it's, it's like a convenience. It's like, you know, it's something good that I could have. Um, um, and so what I would have you do, man, is all you got to do is, you know, Mark, I could go on all day about this because I really care because what you're saying, man, it really hits me hard because I was where you are. And I, I'm going too long again. And I'm sorry, I'm going to cut it off uh, <laughs> because people got to go to work. <laughs> they got to do what they got to do. And they sitting here listening to me. But all you got to do, man, is go to SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com. And all you got to do is start watching the, uh, the marriage masterclass. There's going to be a button that pops up that says um, schedule more help. Uh, and so you'll kick on that and set an appointment with me and then you and I can talk. So otherwise, uh, I'll be sitting here all day. <laughs> so that being said, um, thanks for your comment, dude. I really appreciate that. Um, 
So that being said, we're going to end today as we always do with a quote from Pope Benedict XVI that says, society offers you comfort, but you weren't made for comfort. You were made for greatness. Go forth, Christian soldier. The spiritual fight is upon you. Fast. Pray and prepare for battle. Thank you for listening in today. If what you heard helped you in any way and you would like more personal attention, visit SaveMyCatholicMarriage.com for superior marriage coaching. And remember to join the Catholic Alpha Radical Live podcast as a caller or listener every Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern. To join as a caller, dial area code 313-RADICAL. To join as a listener or view the live stream, visit the Catholic Alpha Radical Live Facebook page or visit CatholicAlpha.com for Catholic marriage help that actually works. Bang.